Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm actor David Arquette. And if you like the Watch Less podcast and you love movies and films, please subscribe and check out Cal and Fraser. They know the business. Welcome back to Watch Less, Complex's podcast about movie and TV culture. My name is Cal, deputy editor of Complex's pop culture channel. As always, the homie Fraser Tharp, summer man, is in the building. Yes, sir. We're here for an episode that surprisingly was 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 more up my alley, up up my uh, personal interests. Heavy. I mean, well, it's it's. I don't really talk about it because I don't really have people who like will understand how long I've been watching pro wrestling. But, uh, you know, I, I, I still follow professional wrestling. It's something that I've, I, I, I'm starting to realize that I've just been like a fan of watching TV and I got hooked on pro wrestling when I was a kid. And I was always trying to find out, you know, when this, this, this zany form of entertainment was on. So I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten to understand a lot of the weirder stories in uh, the world of pro wrestling. I mean, cause there was a time where this was the, there was nothing bigger than uh what they called the monday night wars in terms of ratings like anybody talking about you know pu- pulling a strong rating for a show in 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 2020 the, like the the 6.4 ratings that they were doing on like these crazy nights <laughs> against football like this was the, this was the stuff that people were nerd out on for no reason whatsoever yeah i mean i don't you know that that was always like a fandom that i just never i was respected but i never got pulled into it the same yeah. way like a lot of my friends and stuff did. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, and it's and I will say it it's not like it's far fetched because some of the biggest stars in pop culture come from that world, you know. Right. Hulk Hulk Hogan was the biggest star of the world. He's a racist now, but he was the biggest star of the world. And he was making you know, he was trying <laughs> well, to make stories in the he film. Was probably a racist then. I'm big fa- I mean <laughs> that's big facts. We didn't know. everybody was, you know, they they wanted to flex like this man, not realizing what he was saying about who and you know where his his, his daughter's boyfriends can go. But anyway, <laughs> that's a great segue though because of the way that that they you know the wrestling and the pop culture world are like kind of forever intertwined is kind yes. of the reason why we're here today. Why, why this even happened? I mean, I I don't I don't want to go too long, but I feel like I have to like you have to set the scene. Like in 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 April of two thousand, this movie came out. It was called Ready to Rumble. David Arquette starred in it. You know past watch less guest joe pantaleano was was a, a, a character in the film as well it, it was a de- it was a a, a a decent sized pro wrestling film and uh because of the way corporate structure was built back then this the one entity fighting the wwe wcw was under the warner you know umbrella at this point so they were you know it, it made sense oh we had this wrestling movie let's promote it on our wrestling show um david arquette a lifelong pro wrestling fan was, you know, then, you know, thrust onto the regular uh, weekly pro wrestling TV and ended up becoming the cha- He was never a wrestler. He never wrestled. And on some fluke win, he ended up becoming the world champion of that federation. 
people hated it. It he he, he it was it was it was definitely because a lot of it is just like of course this guy he he looks frail compared to a lot of these yoked up dudes. How could he even compete? That was a story they were going with, but it just it, it felt so uh, ham fisted for a lot of people that it turned them off to not just you know possibly you know a film they would have enjoyed because they're wrestling fans, but you know David Arquette and WCW and the whole thing. So he and he's worn this, you know, again, that this movie came out 20 years ago. So he's worn this for years and he's, he's done a, a documentary. It's called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. And it, 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 it's, it's an amazing name. It's an amazing style of, you know, bringing the documentary. And it really, you know, takes you into his journey going from this detested guy over a couple of years span to, you know, trying to reclaim his narrative and storyline in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, it's very fascinating, fascinating because it gets very personal in his life and his struggles with addiction and, you know, you know, his career and everything. It's a very like intimate portrait of David Arquette, the man, you know, even if you're not a fan of pro wrestling, that's kind of like the guys that it's provided to people. But I don't want to go on too much longer because we have a, a great conversation with David Arquette about that. Some of his future projects, which you horror fans, I know you, you should be ready for you know what he's got in the pipeline, I know Frazier was. He was. Yeah, that, that's when I tagged in. <laughs> that's when, that's when Frazier. Oh, we ready up. to talk scream. <laughs> but we'll get into all of that after this quick break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, I go into like this big spiel about, you know, the person that's on the podcast, you know, why we love them, why we wanted them to be on and talk to them, about all, all that jazz. But this week, I have to issue a warning. Uh -oh. um, it, it's, it's not normal that my love of TV and film and my love of pro wrestling get to kind of <laughs> intersect in a way like this, um, especially in a situation where we have, a, like, in the books, legitimate former WCW heavyweight champion. Like, like that's it, what it became in the story of David Arquette is one thing, but, you know, it's no bullshit. It is a thing that happened. It was... <laughs> I think it was just, it, we're a couple months shy 20 years ago. Yeah. It was a long, it, 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 it was a thing that happened and it kind of, you know, bleeds into uh, you know, why we have David on today. I think a lot of our listeners might know him best as Dewey from Scream. <laughs> I think I, I, my fondest memory, I think in watching the doc was uh, seeing him in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer film, which <laughs> I hold near and dear my esteemed co-host Frazier is more of a fan of the show. I don't know if we'll get into that at some point here, oh, but no. it, 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 <laughs> all of this ties it, the story of David Arquette kind of ties into this new documentary that he has uh, on the way. You cannot kill David Arquette, which is kind of the journey of him reclaiming his legacy within the world of pro wrestling. It's, it's, it's a very eye opening very emotional track. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, highs and lows in there. I'm glad to see you on the other side of it. So we could have you here, David Arquette. Welcome to the watch less podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. That's such a nice intro. 
I mean, you know what? It's 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 one of those things where again, what, seeing the doc and seeing you in a, in a in a real space want to try and rewrite history, I guess, for for a time in your life that I think has really affected you in regards to um you know, again, like I mentioned earlier, you becoming, you know, an actual be, being an actor promoting a film and becoming, you know, a world heavyweight champion of pro wrestling at a time when world wrestling was at its peak. I mean, ratings wise, this was, it, it wasn't, you know, small potatoes it, compared to now it might be a different situation, but it, this was peak wrestling in America. It was, it was a huge deal. I, I, it seems like it's been beating you up for a while, but I guess I, I wanted to start by just asking you, David, what was the catalyst for you to say, Hey, you know, I've been feeling this way for years. How do I rewrite the shit? How do, how do I, you know, change history and, you know, try and make this thing a, 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 a different, a different legacy for me? Well, it had a lot of uh, beginnings. I mean, I went through this thing. I had a negative uh, reaction to a stress test I was taking. They gave me an injection instead of just like being on a treadmill or something. And the injection, like, just essentially made me feel like I was having a heart attack. And they uh, they went inside and they put two stents in my heart. And then, so after that, you know, I was going into surgery and I was like, well, you know, uh, my kids love me. My wife loves me most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes. I'm not sure. That was, the jury's still out. No. <laughs> loves me too. And uh, my family loves me. I've done things in my career I can be proud of. Mm-hmm. I guess that's it. That's a life. That's a successful life. You know, it comes and it goes. But, and then I, in the back of my head, I kept thinking about this wrestling. But, you know, I wish that, that whole, because it's always been something that I loved. I loved wrestling as a kid. And when they first presented it to me, I said, I, I thought that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but I, I thought it would be interesting for a fan to become the champion. It's sort of like a fan's dream. You're always looking at them like, oh, that'd be so cool to, to be the champion. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think the fact that I was an actor and, a, you know, I was just sort of a, like a comedic actor or something that they just kind of just bullied me for 20 years. I got sick of it and I was just like, you don't really know who I am. You're sort of, you know, saying these things. I'm the butt of all the jokes. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'm just going to come back and prove myself. And I always wanted to train. I always wanted to do stuff in the ring that they didn't let me before. Yeah. So I was like, uh, you know, if I really got in shape and I used DDPY, his yoga, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get me inspired to start losing the weight. And then I started doing weights and, and doing jujitsu and boxing and, mm-hmm. and training and, and uh, wrestling all the time. And then it, it just sort of took on a life of its own. Yeah. Like, I guess, you know, you, 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 you talk about, you know, being a fan, I guess, take it back. I, in, in seeing how the doc was, especially the moments, you know, towards, and I don't want to spoil them or anything, but uh, you know, I, it, it feels like you have an affinity toward the macho man, Randy Savage, yeah, but like, yeah. you know, can, can you talk about who some of your favorite wrestlers were growing up or maybe like some of your favorite matches or any, like your fondest memories from back when you were, you know, when you were growing up? Yeah. I loved macho man growing up. I loved, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooko, that's why I jump off the top rope and I yeah. jump to the outside of the ring. But <laughs> I loved um, Hulk Hogan. I was always a Hulkamaniac. Mm-hmm. But Andre the Giant, I saw Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan at the Los Angeles Sports Arena when I was really young. It was during that whole period when he was trying to pick him up. 
Yeah. And he mm-hmm. finally did at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I got to touch Andre on the back. And I was just like, it was really a moment of like, I don't know. It just blew my mind. Like this guy's just a real giant and this world is so crazy. And what they do is so intense, but I never knew how intense it actually is. So you get in the ring, people, I'll never like let people say it's fake or anything like that. You know, it's yeah. sports entertainment, but it's, uh, it's so painful on the body. It's, I still ache and, you know, it's just a crazy, crazy sport. You really have to be crazy to do it. And you have to be fearless. You have to really commit to everything. And all aspects of it are a lot more difficult than people would think, cutting promos or just doing any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to see you. I, mean, I know eventually you ended up, you know, having a death match, and we'll talk about, you know, the situation with Nick Gage in, in a bit. But um, it was interesting to see you. You, you st- started this journey was you going to literally to someone's backyard to have a, you know, kind of, it, it was almost. It, it was funny to see, like, because you, 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 you had this height, then you've like been kind of the sharp decline for this while. Of people, you know, not you know, disrespecting you because of you know how they perceived, you know what you did to the sort of sport of pro wrestling, you know, however they word it, but it's almost like you had to get like dragged through the mud and the fire to kind of like understand, you know, what it was like, you know, what was that on purpose to kind of go kind of to, for lack of a better word, like the bottom of, you know, where pro wrestling is and kind of work your way up to the Nick Cage match. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, the director's ideas to sort of take me from, uh, Backyard wrestling, the Tijuana, streets of Tijuana, mm-hmm. train with luchadors, and then a championship wrestling for Hollywood, my first match with RJ City. Mm-hmm. And then we went on the independent circuit, just went all around. And then I had this wild death match with Nick Gage at a GCW's event, Joey Janela's spring break. It was intense, man. <laughs> it was yeah, crazy. Yeah. I wasn't really like... Uh, I wasn't prepared. I thought it was more like, I didn't know the difference between a hardcore match and a death match. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd been watching, I watched Nick Mondo's documentary and I watched a bunch of death matches stuff and I, I got it. I saw what it was, but I didn't know that it was sort of frowned upon by, by the wrestling yeah. community as sort of garbage wrestling. Although mm-hmm. that's also like, you know, apples and oranges you just sort of (laughs) yeah okay you can use a chair at a table but you know don't use tax that's fair no that's fair (laughs) i know it's really like strange i didn't know where the line was so yeah yeah. but i knew what i was getting into it was Mm -hmm. definitely my fault that i got injured the way i did i learned a really great lesson there like no matter what happens in the ring always stick to the plan always go back to the plan even if stuff starts going wrong Mm-hmm. Just so something like that doesn't happen, I nearly killed myself. So well, I was gonna. Well, I mean, I, I want to cut in because I was gonna ask this later, but I I want to ask that. It, I remember when the video came out. I, I it was a Sunday morning. I think I was sitting in bed, like, what the what what the fuck just happened with David Arquette? And I remember watching it and be and getting to that moment where it's like, okay, that didn't look like it was supposed to happen, and he looks like he's in you know serious danger. And and rewatching it on the dock, I can. I, it felt like there were two things going on in your mind. One was like, okay, am, am, am I going to bleed out? Like, you know, is this it? And two, it, I could tell that you were like, all right, well, how the hell do I finish the match? Because in, in following pro wrestling, that's the, you know, sick and twisted thing. It's like, what was it? The, the, there's the one infamous moment where uh, 
Owen Hart, you know, RIP, he has a match with Stone Cold and literally Stone Cold's neck is broken in the match. And they have to have a moment where it's like, okay, how hurt are you? We, 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 we get, someone's got to pin somebody cause we got to get on to the next thing so we can then get you out of here. And was, was that part, like what, can you take us back to where your mind was when you walked out of that ring and you're like walking through the crowd realizing, <laughs> you know, what the hell's going on with my neck? Yeah. I thought I was dying for sure. Uh, I, I, I tried to, I tried to pin him even though I wasn't supposed to win. I was like, if I'm going, I want to go out a winner. And he kicked out, he kicked out twice. And then I got up and left. And then I got outside of the ring. And then, uh, I went, uh, Luke Perry was there. It's not in the movie, but, um, he said, Davey, it's Luke. And I known Luke since I was 17, 18 years old. Okay. He lived with us when he got 90210. It was like a wow. crazy time. Wow. Yeah. So our families were really close and we mm-hmm. stayed family forever. But um, yeah, I, I, he said, Davey, it's Luke. The place is crowded. And I said, Luke, is it is it pumping? And he said, no, it's not pumping. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to bleed out at that point. But yeah. I knew I wanted to go. I, it was It was weird. It's all sort of a blur, too. I yeah, got it course. way over my head and mm-hmm. you know there's things in wrestling that happen in the ring that you know sometimes aren't planned sometimes aren't planned but also people sometimes have different um motives for being there you know mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be in the ring with someone who just got in a fight with their girlfriend and that's going to be a tough match you know what mm-hmm. I mean like there's yeah. just things that happen you know the pros and the like the the real legends of the, of the game they know how to navigate that stuff they know how to hit you like and and not you know <laughs> knock you out but uh it's a lot more real than people would think it's i always say it's like choreographed mma most of the time mm-hmm. well you mentioned um you know getting in the ring with someone who might have just gotten into a fight with their girlfriend how has okay. going through this experience been for you in terms of using it as an outlet for your own emotional situation be it frustration or any kind of, anything else or like, or like the situation with you, because I know you also struggle with addiction and things like that as well. Yeah, yeah totally. It, 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 it was weird because uh, the whole film kind of captured a period in my life that had been years of, of, of battling different addictions and, and mainly alcoholism. And But one of the biggest addictions I had was just being super self-critical, just beating myself mm-hmm. up all the time. That's... And I've talked to a lot of people and it it seems like a a real common thing, but um, it really was something that was holding me down. It was holding me down in my career. It was holding me down in my relationships. It was holding me down and sort of making decisions throughout my day that would, you know, lead to the best outcome to, to be the most successful you can, to feel the best, to, to achieve what you want to like since then, I, I throughout the whole experience I've been doing a lot of therapy but it had all been kind of coming to a, a head and I really learned a lot of stuff a lot of stuff about my family a lot of stuff about my childhood about uh you know trauma and surviving that and and sort of how how to deal with that and the effects of it and then really sort of you know not wanting to to do that with my life anymore not wanting to make these decisions that I'll regret later decisions that I'll, you know, that, you know, make you, I don't know. Some of the worst decisions I've made in my life were alcohol related. You know, you Mm -hmm. can't blame it, but um, 
you just get to a point where you don't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. So that's sort of where I got. And uh, I don't know, I came out the other end a lot better, to be honest with you. I've, you know, my wife had to deal with a maniac through the whole filming of this. And, you know, that's no fun for her. But she, she produced this whole documentary. She really was incredible with XTR and Bryn Muser and, and David Darg and, and James Price did an incredible job directing it. So I, I felt like it was a good hands and I had great doctors and stuff. But my thing's like, how many people like are lucky enough in my position to be able to go to rehab to to be able to go to you know all these years of therapy and you know try all the different sort of medications till you find the right sort of things that work for you you know now i'm not on any of those things but i had to go through the different things to see like oh this does that that but not a lot of people can like do all that so there's Mm -hmm. a really great book called love yourself like your life depends on it that helped Mm -hmm. me a lot and the untethered soul both of those I got on audio tape, which helps a lot and would work out with them and, and listen to them and just try to do some practices that are, you know, meditation is just kind of a life changing thing. Mm-hmm. When you start really using it, you can kind of get to the place where, oh, well, this is just like a sort of temporary situation the way the, the body we're in right now. And this is a whole bigger picture that we're all part of. It puts it into perspective and then you can, you know, understand your greatness and you can also understand why not to beat yourself up anymore. Yeah. Uh, then you can respect other people of their greatness. Like my, my thing is like, yeah, I'm a champion, but you're a champion in your world. You're a champion in your world. We're yeah. all the champions of our world. I think okay. that's what Muhammad Ali's thing was. Yeah, right here. Well, like a butterfly thing. Oh, like there, a you go. there you go. <laughs> but there you uh, go. his thing was, I'm the greatest. Mm-hmm. I'm the greatest. And I think that was more of a message to everybody. Like you're the greatest. Don't yeah. let anyone tell you different. And 100%. then you have to behave that way. So you're not, you know, demeaning your greatness. Yeah. Would you say that, you know, even though it's been physically demanding that in a mentally speaking, you feel healthier going through this experience than you did during your tenure in Hollywood? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hollywood's a rough sport because, you know. <laughs> the roughest you know, out there. <laughs> yeah, you can, it really is. You know, it's constant rejection. I mean, nobody really lets you know how much that happens. You know, you think dating's hard. Like, try to get a job in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. You know, you go into these rooms, everyone's just sitting back. Like, when I directed my first movie, none of the main characters, none of them auditioned. You know, some of those smaller <laughs> roles because I didn't have time to meet them or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people don't sort of, uh, you know, there's just all these games that are played. So mm-hmm. it's even more than ever, it's important to, to have that self-confidence so that when you leave the room, if you get it or not, you don't really care. I used to leave a, an audition and be like, oh. You know, one one thing happened recently where something happened and I got really mad. And I was like, oh, it was because when I was a kid, I had dyslexia and I couldn't read very well. And one teacher who made me stand up in front of class and read, and I would like feel humiliated and, you know, just get through it and just be sweating and, and, and feel like the dumbest person in the world. And then I went on like for the rest of my life telling myself that I'm dumb and I'm stupid and, and uh, you know, I, you have to retrain your brain. You know, the one thing they talk about in that book, love yourself like your life depends on it is your neural pathways. We all have these neural pathways. 
So somebody could say like, like the I'm, I'm stupid thing. So that's yeah. like some, that's been there for so long. It's just a neural pathway that my thought process gets trapped into a lot. So if something comes up, I'm just, oh, and it feeds that. And when you're a kid, you don't have any power. So when you grow up, you're like, what? And, mm-hmm. You know, somebody makes you feel stupid and you want to stand up to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, call me stupid now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then if you train your neural pathway, that you're, you know, I love myself or, you know, I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid or whatever it is. That all might sound silly, mm. but you're literally retraining your brain. So when you start going down those rabbit holes, you can recognize it and then you just redirect it. And then you make that neural pathway more powerful. Yeah. I think, I think hearing you say that is why I was glad that I saw I, you made sure to visit DDP and go, go to diamond Dallas pages. Oh, like DDP, <laughs> Cause when you were talking about, you know, your addiction and things like that, I'm thinking about how a lot, there's a lot of pro wrestlers who they weren't able to, you know, combat that and, you know, come out on the other side yeah. of that. And, it, and, you know, I'm kind of grateful for, uh, people like DDP who, who's been able to help, you know, a number of people with, you know, oh, yeah. meditation and yoga and, you know, getting a better life that way. You mentioned being good friends with Luke Perry. I didn't realize, I, I didn't make that connection um, initially, but I, I think it's interesting. Cause I wanted to ask you if you followed current pro wrestling and no, cause his son is <laughs> on rest. His, his son is on AEW every week and he's, He's a, a, a beast. He's he literally, his name is Jungle Boy, and he's literally flying all over. <laughs> yeah. do, do you have conversations with Jack Perry about pro wrestling? I do. I mean, you know, I had that ring in my backyard, and they'd come over all the time and wrestle, and it, it's just amazing for me to watch because the whole process was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. So wrestlers talking like, these different, like, codes. Like, somebody says, oh, how's it taking that pile driver from here? They'll say, that sucks. You know, it sucks. You know, what they're trying to tell you is it's, you know, you could break your neck. It's incredibly painful. You probably will never feel the same again. Like they don't say, wrestlers will never say, oh, that hurts really bad. Like they'll never say that. So they'll say it sucks. So you have to like cue in the little things they're saying. And if you don't know the language, you're like lost in the ring. Yeah. Pit a pat or they have all these sayings and it's like, Oh, that means you're just going to get me in the corner and just unload on me? Like, <laughs> like, uh, like certain things. And also, you know, there is like an outsider thing. So when you're coming in, there mm-hmm. is a level of you need to get roughened up. Like your body yeah. are getting like prepared for it. So there's a lot of stuff like that. But DDP was just such a – he's been such an inspiration to me and – and, uh, and Jack and Jack Perry. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think the kid's a movie star. I'm like, okay, you yeah, wrestling's <laughs> all great. I mean, it's amazing. It's incredible. But you're a movie star. It's, so if if Disney did like a a live action Tarzan or something like that's perfect I'm for him right you. now. Like right now, he could do that. Oh, Again, you mentioned Pile Driver. You had Jerry Lawler in the dock, but he I was gave me a Pile Driver. It was, it was <laughs> it's never been the same. <laughs> But I was I was wondering because I mean you know I when I saw that happen I had the immediate thought of like you know Andy Kaufman and I don't know like are you was Andy like an inspiration of yours especially with the way he flirted with pro wrestling and things like that absolutely I mean this is like the whole undertone of this is some Andy Kaufman like um... yeah yeah. I was I I will say because I I follow this stuff a lot I I was I was on the side just kind of like all right is this real is this uh you know how much of this is a work you know just trying to figure out you know but it seemed like to me it seemed like everything was on the level so 
It is. I mean, to a certain extent. I mean, I, you know, there's one part where I say, uh, I haven't gotten a, a job in, uh, I haven't gotten a job in 10 years. But mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say is I haven't gotten a job from an audition in 10 years. I've worked throughout that period of time. And I say it right after that. They didn't have time. They cut it. And I was like, you can't, you, you got to say that part because I don't want to lie to the wrestler, the wrestling community. They can mm. spot lies like nobody else. Yeah, like yeah. when it doesn't feel real, like it's, it's in our guts. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it is a movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a documentary and it's real and everything, you know, was happened that, that happened, but you know, they're telling a story too. So they couldn't include that part. There was, of course. My, my wife actually kicked me out of the editing room. <laughs> like, you can't be in here anymore. But that's also a way of, like, checking yourself. It's like, okay, you, you give it out to some something greater and, and a mm -hmm. bigger sort of universe picture, and then you just kind of trust things. And sometimes they turn out and sometimes they don't. And yeah. then you don't – but I don't know. Micromanage is a whole other world. Yeah. I'm into the mood of, like – I just want to do projects that are quality, do the best I can with them, get like really talented people all together doing their jobs. Like, you know, early on, I used to think like, oh, you got to do kind of everything. Like when I directed my first film, but once you start adding these really talented people, mm. that's where we're all going to like, you know, make this world even better than it ever has been. 100%, 100%. I, it's actually, it's it's amazing to hear you talking about how much you're into the, the project and, you know, especially because your wife was in it. And so it must have sucked to hear, because I, I, we had plans for South By as well. We might have seen oh, you man. at South By, but uh, uh, I think the first time I really heard about, you know, in, in a, a, a possibility of the documentary coming out was word when uh, the, the South By got canceled. I know you guys were looking, you know, trying to show it to distributors. And I know you ended up having like a whole party at your house or things like that. But can yeah. you can you talk about it? I feel like now because we're like, what? six months-ish into the quarantine and, and, and COVID-19 going on, a lot of these stories about how the pandemic is affected, especially Hollywood, are coming out. So can you talk about, you know, kind of just like that journey from, okay, we, we thought we might be able to get some investors at South by to now, we have to figure it out. And and you eventually did. And I mean, you know, Neon is nothing to sneeze at. That's a, that's a, they're, they're strong. They've been doing a lot yeah. of good stuff, especially over the last couple of years. But can you just, you know, talk a little bit about what that process was? Yeah. Well, my wife was amazing. She's just, she's, she's really just been incredible throughout this whole experience. She was like, all right, let's do something at the house, friends and family, you know, and just kind of, not lose a beat and just mm -hmm. kind of get it out there uh and then just just continue and she's just pretty relentless on just you know making sure the right people saw it mm -hmm. and get it getting out there and getting a buzz going so i i owe so much to her in that, in that regard you know as far as the south by southwest I've i've always wanted to go that's like one of those festivals where it's like all my favorite filmmakers go there and, and musicians and all these different like levels of of art artists so that was a bummer but it was like a bummer for a guy named king brian who's who's king brian anthony who's one of the guys in the movie who's yeah. like this is gonna be awesome for him because he, he works at a supermarket uh, you know he's the manager of a, a chain of supermarkets he's really like great guy just stand up salt of the earth but loves wrestling spin wrestling 
for years has wrestled all these incredible people like everyone mm. and he was going to come out so it's like to, to see like him not be able to, and we have a match with Effie and I wanted to meet Effie because I'm a huge fan and, and so like things like that were, were a bummer and the obviously the the momentum you get from a, a film festival is really important mm-hmm. but we were really lucky to be picked up by super limited neon and you know there's just so much going on right now that you know it's like the least of anybody you know you can't really worry about anything if you're in a place where you're not worrying about getting kicked out of your house or whatnot yeah there's so many people like going through so much i'm just feeling feeling for them all and trying to do whatever i can to help in like in a way definitely now that it is um you know this journey is coming to a close how do you feel I feel good. I feel good. I'm glad. I'm like excited for the world to see it. You know, one thing you're an entertainer for, or a filmmaker, or artist, or whatever, is to entertain people, to really give them something that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, when something like Scream happens, and even like that's another example. Like they say, like wrestling, like you know, hurt my career, and blah, 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 blah. like that's more the part of the movie. You know, I don't really feel that way myself. I mean, it had mm-hmm. effect more on my my my, my self confidence than anything else, but like you know, yeah, drinking and getting shot on TMZ coming out of Bootsy Bellows is probably <laughs> the worse <laughs> than doing a string of AT and T commercials or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> certain things that will hurt your career and just making it's it's really when you're when you're building a career, you have to be sort of specific about your choices, and if you stay with that forever. And especially when you get to the top, if you're very like specific about what you want to do. So you're always kind of producing quality stuff for people to see. But when you have something like this, that it's getting a good reaction, you can kind of tell that people are enjoying it. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing for. You know, we do it to yeah. entertain you guys, like to entertain uh, you guys do it to entertain me. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's sort of the game. So when it sort of works out, it's exciting and, and I want people to, to hopefully enjoy it. And then you just, then like I wanted that King Brian and, and, and my buddy Jerry, who's a cop in Connecticut to, to come to, a, and my friend Malcolm Wildman, to all come to like a signing and like meet the fans. And they're like, they're fans and now they're part of this whole game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's sort of like the future fun. Yeah, you're also putting a different side of yourself out there to the masses that I think you know, would change, uh, you know, you, you, most of your most commonly known roles are always like, in a wackier comedic aspect. So this is definitely putting a different side of you out there to the yeah. majority for people yeah. who may not be up on this before. Thanks, I will say, cause I mean, e- even looking at, at, at a lot of seeing the, the deathmatch footage previously and seeing some of the beginning of the doc was cool. Seeing you in Mexico. And, and it was like, it was like there, there was the one moment where the, I'll never forget the one guy's like, look, if he doesn't nail this, you got to get his ass out of the gym. That that part was dope. But then it was like, okay, I didn't realize they were going to go and, like, do lucha stuff when, like, the re- it was a red light and they were just going to go out. Like, like I didn't either. That was, it was <laughs> I was like, oh, this is cool to watch. And then they're like, you got to do something. I was like, what? I, I hadn't even had that much training yet. And yeah. I you know it was crazy it was and those guys were just so incredible and those are like 
top luchadors and they'll they just go and do that during the day it's like their day job and yeah that's still the biggest stadium in mexico it's almost like that's how you got to do it it's if you're going to be that good night in night out it has to be you know clockwork i was wondering though you know now that you you've come out on the other side of this you know what is your your current relationship with pro wrestling like are are you done i know you have you there there are certain health issues that you know you might and and you have a family who loves you and wants to make sure that you know that you know are you outside are you out of that you know no part of your life but uh you know are, are you planning on wrestling ever again do you watch you know how active are you in you know today's wrestling scene uh, yeah, I definitely watch. I, I love, I love it. I love what they're they're doing, but they don't seem like I, I don't know. Maybe after the movie comes out, they'll give me some respect because I'm still not getting really respect from them. Yeah, <laughs> to be oh, honest wow, with you, crazy. WWE or AEW, you know, they're just kind of like they still sort of see me as that 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 guy. But um, yeah, you know, one of the coolest things too was was touring the indie scene with RJ City. And that was like, you know, when you get to meet the fans and you get from these di- different city to city, you're driving through the night, you get a little sleep, you wake up and you have another match. You really like, I don't know, there's something that happens where you get to meet these people, you fall in love with this sport in a much deeper personal way. And, yeah. You know, stuff like, you know, Brian Knobs from the Nasty Boys at the end, he was like, you're one of the boys. And I was like, ah. you know, <laughs> this is kind of like, it's just a little kid's dream come true. So it, it again goes to the wanting to entertain people. So I'll definitely want to be involved. It would probably be more in the independent scene, but I kind of prefer that to be honest, because mm-hmm. uh, you get more of a personal. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, Cause I wanted to ask, cause I know I saw, current wwe superstar Liv morgan shouts out jersey uh she yeah. you, you guys had a back and forth on twitter because she's a big fan <laughs> of ready to rumble which was the pro wrestling film that started you know all yeah. of this and, and i think at one point you said which was true i guess because the wwe bought wcw they should have whatever rights that wcw had to the film but do you know anything like you know had there ever been whispers of a of a ready to rumble 2 or anything <laughs> like that do you know anything uh... about that I mean, you know, typically the, the movies that get sequels like were kind of like smash hits. Yeah. You know, it's a weird, you know, the when a movie doesn't make money, they just don't want to do it. They're not going to do anything. Yeah. So it did have a shelf life and became more of a sort of cult classic. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe in the future. I mean, I, I love Liv Morgan. I love what she does. And, and yeah. it's funny to like make it all new and 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 bring back some of the old actors but i couldn't yeah. even get sky connor being my documentary oh, wow. oh really really <laughs> yeah. he was just like oh i just i've no I, he doesn't really like to do talk shows so he's just like i don't gotcha. like to go out there at all i just do my job and it's it's funny different people's approach to sort of fame yeah. i guess what's your uh relationship with with hollywood gonna be like after this like i feel like it could also open you up for some more dramatic roles even, or even you to contribute something to the, the fictional wrestling sports movie genre. Yeah. yeah. I would love, uh, you know, I, I love the business still. So it's a funky business. So <laughs> it's kind of like, it's got its roots in like the carny world and it's still kind of, there's still elements of it there. Yeah. So yeah. There's some interesting stuff, but I have a movie coming out and it just like, eight days or something yeah, called the trailer. Street, it looks, it looks really fun really yeah that's a wild wild film 
Yeah. So I've been doing stuff. I have a bunch of stuff that's coming out that I shot, you mm. know, in the past year. So, so that the miseducation of Bindu is a mm. really fun movie. Dr. Bird's advice to sad poets. So a few fun films. Oh, Homeland, another one. At at some point, there's going to be a screen five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point, to go film it in a little while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Like, is it, how how is that going to work? I mean, I, I'm going to assume it'll just keep pushing it back. But I mean, are are you guys given like a separate just like dossier on just COVID nineteen precautions and things like that? We just we just produced my my wife produced with HCT Media produced a film called Ghost mm-hmm. of the Ozarks last month. So we did the whole, you know, mainly HCT media, but they did a lot of the um, preparation. Oh, and Devil Tub Productions. And they did uh, COVID safety stuff. We had a quarantine. We all stayed on the same place in a hotel wow. on the same floor. Mm-hmm. We ate three meals a day that were all brought to us. You know, I I actually stayed off, off property, but I was, I was, quarantine myself and yeah and then uh, you know people wore masks all the time when you're taking off for a scene but even they'd done something where they had some of the characters wear masks oh wow so they could wear masks even on camera so it was really interesting we got tested all the time Mm. so it's a new world i only saw the nose test you said you did like this i don't know what that oh we did a blood we did a blood test to see if we had antibodies so they take our temperature and see if we had the antibodies or if we've been infected. Are you worried about like the, the long-term repercussions this might have? Like I've, I've read writers even think about like what kind of scenes they can write going forward in a way that limits, you know, the amount of people on set. Like are we going to see big crowds? Are we going to see less uh, love scenes? Stuff like that. I think everything will get back to normal soon. You know, not normal. Close enough. <laughs> you know, it'll all be different. Yeah, I think... I don't know. Things have things have changed, but uh, hopefully, ultimately, yeah. like for the better, everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I mean you know for the better. I mean I think for again for for a lot of people, the Scream franchise is is something. A lot hearing that it's coming back is 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 a big deal for people. And you know, so, can you talk about you know what your what was the process of hearing about you know doing another film? What was the decision process in you saying I'm ready to you know come back to this franchise and without west though yeah without yeah. without west is a First big thing without west. okay talk about talk about you know some of those feelings coming back to to the series with all of this you know coming on yeah i mean i love playing the character i've, I've loved like i love the first scream it was just sort of like my favorite just that time period and just something that I love the script and it just all kind of came together with Wes behind it and Kevin Williamson. So it's been, it was really great. You know, it was like, Oh, Wes is not directing it, but the directors are really talented. They did a, a film called ready or not. That's really wonderful. Oh, I love the movie. Yeah. And they're, they're really talented up and coming film. Well, not they've already come up <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. really great filmmakers and just are low. The, the more like I go down this whole thing is, and the more within my career, it's like you have to do stuff you love, you know yeah. what I mean? That you really are passionate about and you're going to spend your time doing it. And I think when you love something, it really shows. And so I do love horror movies and I love playing this character and I love West and sort of carrying on his, his legacy and, and just 
continuing what he did and then getting to work with uh, Courtney and Nev, hopefully, and yeah. you know, this whole group of like people. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a blessing, you know. Feel honored to be able to do it. So I don't I don't worry too much about <clears throat> any of the other kind of stuff about the career sort of directions or anything. Mm-hmm. I I I like doing things I love. That's awesome. I mean, so- was was story a big factor in you signing into this one too? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So like the Scream Three had to, the script had to get thrown out at some point because because of, of some sort of situation. Like there couldn't be any high school. There was some kind of high school tragic situation that happened, oh, wow. and they changed it so there there weren't really any sort of kids in in that one or high yeah. school kids kind so change the makeup of it yeah yeah so, so we never had a real script you know to start with we were always getting pages and there was always kind of this tone came out that was a little different mm-hmm. and wes had a great sense of humor so in 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 like looking at it as wes's kind of world mm-hmm. you know there was also this really interesting i'm not sure which uh friday not friday the um What's the Freddy one? Jeez. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Jeez. Yeah. One of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, he did this real cool, like, you know, broke the, the third wall, fourth wall. <laughs> fourth wall, yeah. Yeah, broke the You're fourth wall. You're talking about a new nightmare. Yeah, yeah the new yeah, nightmare, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So I think it was his sort of new nightmare-ish version of a Scream one mm-hmm. where there's, like, the two things. So there's, like, real interesting, fun humor and stuff in that. But they never had a full script. Gotcha. But to answer your question, yeah story was important and kevin williamson being involved was important and mm-hmm. to hope they get nev because that's super important do you, you you talk about going back because of things you love so i have to wonder the scream franchise do you have a favorite what would be your what what is david arquette's personal <laughs> scream film ranking oh i'd say one two four and three yeah, I think I'm the same. I think one is my, is in like my personal top ten. Maybe that's just yeah, like a no. '90s baby thing, but yeah. I, I, I again, I was, I was uh, like, way too young. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the internal dilemma. Well, this is the funny thing because you mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street. I we had a conversation with Elijah Wood a while, before you know the, the the coronavirus even came out, and uh, we had it was a whole conversation about horror. We, me and him, were going back and forth about Nightmare on Elm Street three. This guy hadn't seen it. He just we'll talk at some point. We'll have to have the conversation about a, a full review of Nightmare on Elm Street 3 but uh yeah that's the internal dilemma is kind of trying to put this guy onto some of these classic things like you you're mentoring Night- Nightmare on Elm Street do you have any favorite horror films it seems like you're you're a horror buff I yeah would I love horror films mm-hmm. oh man hereditary or hereditary, oh, awesome. yep. hereditary was insane mm-hmm. I'm really bad with words and names and titles and face <laughs> like I always get things all messed up but I love that. Ooh, Midsommar. Ooh, yeah. Really, yeah. that was intense, man. Yeah. That was a, a, like, I think they're kind of next leveling some of these movies now. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite. But High Tension was a great one. Wow. Yep. I love The Shining. I love Ooh. the original uh, Halloween. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are some of my favorite. Oh, The Thing, I loved. Ooh, Classic. nice one. Yeah, that's a really yeah, good yeah. one. Really good film. That's a good stuff. Again, for people that aren't up on horror, like, like, because realistically, David just dropped like classic, like just, just a, a number of really just iconic horror films. Especially if you're talking about the thing. Don't talk to me about horror if you haven't seen the thing. Is all I'm saying. No, definitely not. Although you know, I think you know, we mentioned how we would both put a Scream Four in third, but I really like that movie. I thought it did like yeah. a really great job of of reviving the series for them because there was a long gap between three and four when that one came out yeah they did they did a great job <laughs> that was a tough time for me too <laughs> i sometimes look at some of these like like how how was the experience <laughs> and how was the film so like a film like scream four i look back and i was like oh there's something heartbreaking about it to me that- I know you're you're in the early process, you know, at least early enough that you guys haven't even really been able to start filming yet. But um, has there been any conversations about, again, like any honoring towards Wes in the in 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 the next film? Like, or is that even something you guys are you considering at this stage currently? Sort of out of my department, but okay. I'm sure they're they're doing stuff, and I'm sure there'll be like Easter eggs and stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. Wes like. I don't. I think he was. He was definitely the janitor in Scream uh, One. I think, and so I don't know. There's so much technology now. It would be great to sort of do something really cool. I yeah, would, I would do that if I was directing it. I would do an Alfred Hitchcock moment with Wes, like you know, having pass by. People be like, "What?" <laughs> I, I, I wanted because you 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 mentioned Hereditary and Midsommar. I mean, th- those are some very like you know prestigious you know prestigious films in general but like specifically for horror there's like do you have aspirations to kind of go into that lane maybe as a producer or director at some point well this last film we did goes to the ozarks that's a horror that, that is that okay i directed what my first film i directed was called the tripper which okay. is only available on dvd but uh uh-huh. it's a trip it's about a killer that's obsessed with ronald reagan who attacks hippies at an outdoor music festival. <laughs> so I did like a political satire in a, in a I horror like film. I feel update that now. Yes. I'm telling you, we're actually living, we're living the Tripper 2 right now. Oh, yeah, I wanted to do the Tripper 2 called The Burning Bush and have it at a religious sort of Burning Man camp where they become watch. zombies because they drug them. <laughs> you might need i mean hey look we we got a couple of months before this next election you might need to figure something something out you know what i'm saying oh yeah just do a teaser for it drop, oh. drop, drop it on youtube you'll be good to go i'm noticing in your background it looks like there's a puppet and i know in the dock there's there's a moment where you have a puppet it's like a uh, uh, yeah, like there's there, oh, was, wow. there was a Kanye West puppet that was dancing. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, can you? Can, I, I, one, can you talk about like, like I'm assuming you have like a love of puppetry, but two, like, what's the Kanye West puppet? Where, where was? What's the story with that one? Well, I love Kanye. I love. I've always loved what he does, and his. I love his music, and mm-hmm. um, you know, that was a uh, because I I'm one of the owners of Bootsy Bellows, and we have puppets there that sort of go and dance around. It's funny. It kind of becomes just more of a like Instagrammy moment where people can take a picture and just have fun. Mm-hmm. I, at the beginning of when we were putting the place together, I, I used to give out candy and stuff, 
And I just want, you know, you try to provide an environment where people just forget everything. Like it, sometimes people worry about dancing, but you know, if it's a puppet, they'll be dancing with the puppet and kissing the puppet. <laughs> like, you mean, it's a surprise. Like people let their inhibitions go. So that's the idea to just create a sort of atmosphere that's lighter and funner and just, just, you just be silly. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. One thing I, I'm just thinking about now, I didn't realize I even mentioned earlier, not saying that you're on that same tra trajectory, but I mean, Darren Aronofsky's the wrestler. How yeah, does, um, what, what, in, in just thinking about the doc, was that something you watched again? Do you remember when you watched it the first time? Was that an inspiration for, you know, you in this particular moment in your life? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I definitely watched that. And, uh, I watched Beyond the uh, Mat again. I watched a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's an incredible film. I love to, yeah. you know, classic. Mickey Rourke's performance and Darren Aronofsky is one of the great directors. So, yeah, that was <laughs> that movie's real, real, real good. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> like hardcore. Stuff, yeah, it's a hardcore sport, man. You end up like. For one, like in Mexico, I, broke, I fractured a few ribs. So then I was having to take all these hits. And like, you know, day after day, like taking these hits, you just you can't breathe. You're like, your whole body's in pain. And it, I just was amazed that these people could do this all the time. Yeah. So then you have to take a painkiller too. You know, you get a few painkillers and then you don't want to get hooked on them. So you, you stop them and then you start drinking too much. And it's mm -hmm. just like all recipes for, you know, just trouble. So, yeah, you yeah. know, it's kind of like, you know, there's, yeah, there's crazy stuff that happens in the wrestling business. You show up and your hotel room's not there. Or, you know, someone won't pay you. Like, really weird stuff <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and you have to kind of figure all this stuff out. It's all this learning curve of like, oh, okay. So then you have to learn to call ahead. Make sure this is, did you book it on a price line or whatever? Like, how, how did you place my reservation? Like, I don't know. It's all crazy things you only learn if you hit the road and start doing it yeah well and i think you're you're in the position you're in not just with wrestling but with other things that you know we mentioned covid earlier you're probably someone that has a little more knowledge compared to some other people who are uh, like aspiring to be you know tv show makers filmmakers or what have you do you have any you know can you think of any advice or any uh you know pieces of wisdom you'd have for someone who was trying to aspire to be you know, in, in, you know, an actor or a filmmaker, producer in, in, you know, today's Hollywood, you know, whether it's, you know, VOD or just with the COVID-19, any advice you'd have for people in these times? Absolutely. I mean, you have a lot of tools now that you can use, like your phone is enough to shoot, a, you know, a, a cool short or something. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. So you can study all the, the greats. You know what I mean? Just go to AFI and watch the top 100 films. You know what I mean? If you want to get into filmmaking, mm -hmm. you discover certain things and certain actors, and you can then see where they trained and like read a book on that acting style. But I've one of the main things I've learned, and it's something I re learned recently, and it's why I did this documentary is no one can no one's gonna do it for you you have to do it yourself you just have to get out there and do it there's great books now like save the cat i mean people make jokes about it but because it's so helpful to writing scripts 
And there's just all these different things you learn, but it's all stuff you learn as you start doing it, as you start reading these books, as you start studying these films, as you start, you know, planning what you want to do. Because another thing I learned is I've wasted a lot of time going in misdirections, like getting caught up in the fun side of things. And like, you know, I always took, took acting very seriously. You know, I had a job the next day, I'd, I'd be prepared and, you know, I mean, I'm not really great with lines all the time. You know, I study them, I study them like crazy, but because I'm dyslexic until I get on the set and am able to work with another actor, the words are kind of jumbled to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's all kind of stuff like that. Like spend your energy going towards your goals and like really doing stuff and building social media now and, and all those kind of things have a factor in the future where you want to start promoting things and to throw stuff out. What type of uh, films excite you now? Like when you're when you're looking at new roles and projects, what do you gravitate towards? To? Well, we just we started this with the, that reps this movie XTR. We started a documentary company. There's just such incredible documentaries out right now. There's uh, we have one out called The Fight, and Mucho Mucho Amor. Those are two really great documentaries that that we were a little part of, but honored to have been a part of them. That's a really in- interesting space right now, especially with what's going on. And documentaries are something filmmakers can can do. A lot of people can do short film documentaries mm-hmm. and just start that. You do find a subject matter, learn how to tell the story and within a, like a little 15 minute time frame or something. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get the feeling of it. And then you just do that a few times and then you expand. So documentaries really excite me now. I don't know. There's there's a few things I'm working on that I'd feel a little top secret. Okay. <laughs> okay. But it's like but the line in, in the in the movie where my wife was like, you know, last year was a heart attack. This year it's a death match. What's next year? <laughs> like, now that I've got like next year planned up, she's like she's like got her head in her hands again. But she never believes in me until it starts going, and then she jumps on board, and then she takes over the ship, <laughs> and then she gets. It done so hey that be it, it it sounds sounds like you got a good working relationship with your wife i mean you know, she's you, really my hero you can't ask for any more than that i think that's going to do it for us david arquette thank you very much hey, greatly thank you uh, so much thanks, you, you you cannot kill david arquette does that have an official release date late august i mean it's coming up okay we're also at the fantasia film festival so Okay. There's going to be an announcement for that, and if you want to see it early, you can see it there. That I mean, again, I, I mentioned Elijah Wood. He's the one who mentioned who's the first to talk to us about Fantasia Festival. Oh, so, cool. you know, Yeah, synergy. It's all there. But yeah, David, thank you. Greatly appreciate hey, you coming. Thank you, you so thank much, you guys. We appreciate it. And I just want to shout out to the to the listeners, even though you know most of them won't be able to see. David has a marvelous shirt on. Right yes, now. yes. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Fit. This is Ball Getty's line, Monk Punk. Or yeah yeah he's amazing <laughs> i was gonna say something when he first popped on but i didn't know uh i i i don't like i don't know what david arquette's fashion sets is like i don't know if i'm gonna be like yo that's a dope shirt you're just like yeah somebody just handed it to me five minutes ago you never know you never no, know but this is bald clothing line mug punk but he made me buy it but he does really quality amazing stuff he also did a song at the end of the movie he does really oh, good nice. music too. You cannot kill David Arquette. What is what's the, the release date is August twenty eighth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the release date's August twenty eighth. So- we got it. 
we got it. It's it's it, it's it's dope. You know, I, I guess a, a fun end of summer wrestling doc for the people that want the people honestly the people who really need to get the true story on uh you and you know how how you have redeemed yourself i would say you redeemed yourself oh thank just, you well I'm definitely doing the movie for real wrestling fans so i appreciate that no problem no problem think. definitely definitely that is our bag that at least that is my bag i don't know if <laughs> frazier's become a a wrestling fan at this point but uh we'll a see. little bit how can you not after watching that exactly <laughs> exactly all right thanks y'all all right. I think David said it all. I think, you know, our, our conversation very, very, it, it was, it was dope that he was just that open. You know what I mean? You know, not, not just with, you know, indulging my pro wrestling love, but, you know, talking about his, his, his appreciation of, of horror films and, and the work he's doing on trying to get into more of the production side of things. You know, it's, it's really dope to see he's still able to, to move within the industry. Real down to earth guy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun for that. And again, if if you're if you're a pro wrestling fan, I hope you appreciated it. If you're not, I'd say, you know, again, 20 years, you might want to check out a zany movie called Ready to Rumble. It's fine. I talked to I actually ended up talking to the directors of the uh, documentary and they were kind of like, yeah, it's cool. But they they were <laughs> they they were so nice. though. they were they were hype off. There was like one particular scene David Arquette has I'm like, yeah, man, he really he really brought it in that scene. I'm like, all right, look at y'all. Look at y'all appreciating this man's work. When uh, nobody else really wants to, uh, is it, is that it for us this week, Fraser? We said enough. I think we got to get out of here. I mean, we gave the people so much facts with our cat, so much to to think on. I you know, I just hope we see more of that guy going forward. He's in a new movie yes. that came out recently called Spree, mm-hmm. which is making the rounds. But you know, regardless, our cat is like one of those staples of the, uh, I think like the late '90s, early aughts. Right, like not even just scream. You think back to like shit, like eight legged freaks. Right, a hundred percent. All that you know. So he's definitely a guy I think who could have like a really great like second wind as an older statesman in a lot of good movies. Yeah, if 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 they can figure out how to do that for John Travolta, we we could do this for for David Arquette, right? But yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for us this week. If you want to continue the conversation at Complex Pop on Twitter and Instagram, uh, don't give us any nonsense. But we are down to have a conversation. Watch Less Drops every Wednesday, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you guys get your podcasts. Please be sure to like, comment, review, rate, share, whatever you got to do to boost the signal and let the people know that you want to hear this type of content from Complex so we can uh, give that guys to you and, and more and more stuff in that vein. Uh, for Frazier, I'm Cal advising you as always. You, I, I know these theaters are opening up, but you got you guys got to chill. We We can't. I, the last thing I want to see is AMC opening and then closing in the same weekend because uh, people were coughing and not wearing masks or, or socially. Be, be safe, man. The popcorn ain't that crazy. Tune in and watch less. Watch less is hosted by Fraser Tharp and myself, Cal. Our producer is Taliba Newman. Our associate producer and sound engineer is Jasmine Plata. Our editor is Tyler Boltheis. Our production manager is Chancel Correa. Talent booker is Anthony Allred. Our junior booker is Austin Bailey. Our director of talent relations is Kristen Price Harrell. Senior director of operations is Jen Stewart. Watch less is a part of the Complex Podcast Network.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.